Hello, my friend, and welcome to this special, not really spoilery edition of TFU News and Views. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner-operator, madman behind TFU.info, the website, the tour archive, this podcast, Transformers University podcast, and oh, so much more. And I want to thank you for joining me for the first of two podcasts on Transformers War for Cybertron Kingdom on Netflix. Now, the kind folks at Netflix uh, gave me screener access about a month ago to this series and also to uh, Masters of the Universe. So keep an eye out for a couple episodes on that as well. And as with Siege and Earthrise, uh, they did have a few requests of things I'm not allowed to talk about at the outset. So I'm going to record two versions of my Kingdom Review. One, which is non-spoilery, which is the one you're listening to right now, where at Netflix's request, I will not uh, discuss any reference to the circumstances of the and returning I will not discuss Elita One's and I will not talk about the at the end. So those are the three things I can talk about in uh, this episode. Uh, however, my spoiler episode, which I'll put out after the show debuts on Netflix on July 23rd. So this one will go up uh, on July 22nd uh, so that uh, you have some time to watch it. So sometime after July 23rd, I'll drop another episode and we'll talk all of the spoilers for this series. So without getting too deep into the spoilers, let me tell you uh, a bit about what I feel about this series. Now, I've said it in other places, and I will say it here. Uh, I think one of the big positives that comes out of this series is that it uses a lot of the Beast Wars source materials, uh, but without breaking them. So I feel like uh, I was never a fan of IDW's use of the Beast Wars characters in their continuity. Um, I would go so far to say is that they did it wrong, that they didn't respect uh, the the basic premise to the characters. And I think that that was a mistake. And it's not like they weren't presented well. It's not like those stories weren't fun. But those stories with those characters uh, didn't resonate with me because it just didn't feel like the right fit. And in that regard, Kingdom does a really good job of at least sticking to a couple of the essential elements of the original Beast Wars saga in that uh, the Maximals and Predacons are descendants of the Autobots and Decepticons. They are trapped on Earth. They are from the future and they are trapped in the past. And Beast Wars Megatron has stolen the golden disc. Like these are all basic tenets of the original series. To not use them would be to create a Batman where his parents don't die uh, or to create a Spider-Man with both his uncle and aunt still alive. Like these are, <laughs> these are ideas that like they go to the core of what the concept is. Now with that in mind, there are a lot of great Easter eggs in this series, uh, which I won't spoil for you, but uh, a handful of them involve black arachnia. There's some fun nods. There's some fun humor, uh, which I thought was really well-placed and really well done this time around. And I, I think that was my knock on the first season in particular, uh, that the humor wasn't very 
funny. It was more cruel than funny. And uh, this swung around to being actually funny. And I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I think the, the best part of this whole series is the writing. Um, and now you're going to say, how is that possible? The writing hasn't been good. I feel like the writing has been good. It's been let down by the production. And the writing here by Maycat and Tim Sheridan uh, is very good. Uh, the scripts are very good. The, the words as they exist on the page uh, are very good. How they're brought to life, that's something for a little later in this conversation. Uh, but this one is clearly the best of the three parts. It does a very good job of bringing both the first and second part of this trilogy together and and propelling it forward. In a lot of ways, it, it, it highlights the flaws in those first two parts in that... Um, the first part sets the story in motion, but does little else. Uh, the second part gives us all the MacGuffins that we'll need for this third part. And then the third part kind of takes it all and brings it to a finish line uh, that I can't really talk about because of what was mentioned before by Netflix. <laughs> but overall, if you've watched the first two, I would say you need to watch this, yes. Um, if you haven't watched the first two, it's weird, but you could probably jump on and watch it from here. Um, it is definitely the best of the three. Now, that doesn't mean it's not without its negatives. Now, uh, once again, the voice acting, for the most part, is pretty subpar. Uh, and the bad acting and also the bad audio, I'm going to call it bad audio, uh, ruins the script. Now, as someone who has made a living as a video editor, I always tell people I'm teaching, people I'm working with, uh, people who I'm producing for, Audio drives the bus. If you have bad audio, if you have a bad mix, if you have unclear sound, if you can't tell what's going on just by listening, you've let your audience down. And there's a couple of things I've noticed now that I've gone through this show twice and the previous two shows twice as well. So I've, I've watched a good six hours of, uh, it's probably more than six hours and it's closer to 10 hours of, War for Cybertron uh, trilogy. Now, let's let's attack this in a couple different places. So, yes, bad acting. I think we've gone over this. Jake Fauci is the Hayden Christensen of Transformers. Yes, I've said it. I'll say it again. It's my take. I'm not apologizing for it. Because his delivery in those Optimus scenes, and I don't know if this is to make up for the animation uh, and the way the animation moves. It shouldn't because Optimus has a faceplate, and that shouldn't make a difference then. Jake Fauci's Optimus Prime delivering two words every four seconds is hard to listen to. It's painful. It really is. Um, it makes the scenes with Optimus very hard to watch because you sit there yelling, say the next word at the screen. Um, it's almost like baseball fans. Uh, if you were a baseball fan back in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, there was a pitcher on the Mets named Steve Traxel who uh, took forever to throw the ball to the point where the crowds would chant, throw the ball at him. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, this is what Optimus feels like in uh, in this series. And it, it's just hard to reconcile. 
The other thing is the vocal processing. So there is a special effect on a lot of these voices to make them sound metallic, make them sound robotic. Uh, I notice it's not on the Maximals and Predacons. Um, and if it is, it's very much subdued. But for the Autobots and Decepticons, it's there. And it I don't know if that is slowing down the delivery or if the delivery was deliberately slowed down for that effect. But it interferes entirely. Uh, and then we have the music, which uh, may be good. I don't know. It, when it's in there, it's it's buried in the mix. Uh, and anything thematic, I'm not hearing it. I don't hear things come back. I don't hear you know lines of music return to the forefront. Um, you know, I can't hum the theme to this show after watching it, and that's a knock on the show. Um, it's not to say a show has to have it, but you think of some of the best animated series of the last 40 years. They have it, right? Um, Transformers had it. G.I. Joe had it. Thundercats had it. Pokemon had it. Ninja Turtles had it. Uh, X-Men, the animated series, had it. Batman, the animated series, had it. They're, they're, you can hum those themes and instantly know what's going on. I mean, you don't need Inspector Gadget here, but you need something that's going to recur uh, to kind of set the tone. Uh, to give you that reaction, to to hit you on a somewhat subconscious level, and I don't hear it here. And then finally, the mix of all three. Um, yeah, it's just it's just not it's not good. <laughs> um, uh, it's just it doesn't work. And I've watched it on multiple devices. I've watched it on a laptop. I've watched it on my my uh, smart TV. I've watched it on my phone. I I just don't hear that audio quality uh, sitting anywhere where um, it helps the show. Now. It's not to say all the voice acting is bad. Uh, Frank Todaro as Starscream and as Rat Trap is fantastic. Uh, Jason Marnoka uh, as Megatron and Galvatron, also fantastic. Uh, I think uh, the celebrity casting of uh, Chris Calico as Dinobot uh, is really good. Uh, surprisingly, really, really good. Uh, I don't have the name handy, but the... Uh, voice of Black Arachnia, fantastic as well. Very similar to Venus Terzo's uh, take on the character when it was originally done in 1996. Of the other new Maximals and Predacons, uh, Beast Wars Megatron is going to be the most disappointing for everyone. Now, why do I say that? He does not sound like David Kay. He does not sound like a David Kay impression. He does not sound anything like Beast Wars Megatron. He sounds more like Beast Wars Scorponok, especially in his characterization. Now, the characterization, I think, is necessary because you have two Megatrons on screen at the same time. And one is kind of a worshiper of the other. So it, the characterization is kind of a necessity of the story. I get that. The voice acting, though, is not. And I've said it with this series before. It goes hit or miss with how they portray voices in this show. For example, Tigatron sounds nothing like Beast Wars Tigatron. Now, is he bad or good or anything? He's he's okay. Um, but he don't expect it sounding like Blue Man Kumba. Now, Beast Wars Megatron is an iconic voice. Even Dinobot's an iconic voice to some extent. And Dinobot doesn't sound like Dinobot from the original series, and that's okay. But there's a choice here by the production to make some characters sound like they did 25 years ago and make some characters not sound like they did 25 years ago. And it's so hit or miss. It's so haphazard. It doesn't make 
sense. And I think that bothers me more than the fact that Megatron doesn't really say no or yes. You know, I understand not getting David Kay, that he's probably priced out of this show's budget. Um, but for a character like this, where the voice is such an intrinsic part of its popularity, uh, it's a big miss here to not get something that sounds like that or even just worded like that and performed in a different voice. I'd be fine with that too. Um, it's like having wheelie that doesn't rhyme or having Sylvester the cat without a lisp. Like you can't do those because they're intrinsic to the character and its portrayal. Now, a couple other things with the, uh, direction, uh, don't let the trailers fool you. The show is still very dark. <laughs> um, the first two episodes, first two and a half episodes, maybe are, are set pretty much in brighter settings. And then we get these cold blues and darkness. Uh, you know, uh, there's a whole three and episodes, three and four pretty much set entirely at night. Um, episode four has some, episode five has some color to it, but it's just these cold blues and purples throughout where it makes it very hard to see what's going on. Uh, again, I, I, I don't know why they would, would take animation and then take all the fun out of the visual. But it's one of those things that does not sit well with me at the series as a whole. Also, there's some poor directing choices uh, in here. Um, look, TV is all about show, don't tell. Show me what's going on. Don't tell me what's going on. And there, there's some scenes here where they do just that. They show, don't tell. And what I go back to is there's a scene in the second episode where... Um, Decepticons and Predacons attack this group of Autobots and Mac Maximals and the Autobots and Maximals need to retreat down the side of a uh, hill um, and they're sliding down here and this is in the trailer actually um, and you'll see the Autobots suddenly get guns and fire back. What you don't really see is that there is a communications officer aka Cog, uh, not really Cog, but Cog in different colors uh, sliding down with him and he transforms and splits into his weaponizer parts and lands in their hands. But it's it happens in the background. Like if you're not paying attention to the background, if you're not really paying attention to every piece of that frame, you don't really see it because Optimus Primal is in the foreground and you see him mainly. I would have liked a little direction there to have punched in on that drone, shown him from another angle, show him get that thought of transforming or just show him you know, start to split up in a close-up before he lands and in their hands. Just that alone would have at least told that situation a little better. So I think that covers the entire series for me. Overall, I would say Kingdom is the best of the three parts, as I mentioned earlier. I would also say that the show as a whole is kind of middle-of-the-road Transformers. It's not not the best of all time. It's certainly not the worst of all time. I wouldn't put this down with, with Energon or with the Machinima series. I think uh, this is a leaps and bounds improvement from uh, the previous output on the machine, Machinima series. Um, here's, here's the positives I take away from this. Um, this. This version of the show, this particular part of the trilogy, was really well done. It's a shame it comes out aside Masters of the Universe because it does in five episodes a lot of what this series did over the course of three seasons and does it 
more efficiently and more effectively. And yes, maybe I'm comparing apples and oranges there, but in the competition for your attention, if you were to say, I want to spend a night binging Kingdom or night binging uh, Masters of the Universe Re- Revelation, after watching both, if you're going to do a second run, you're probably going to go to Masters of the Universe first. What I will say about Kingdom is it has a lot of heart. Um, it's it's very much an epic tale, told as an epic tale, and it has its flaws. Uh, I can't deny that it has its flaws. And we'll get a bit more into that in the spoiler episode, but I do want to just let you know that if you are on the fence about watching it, watch it. Watch it. Make up your own mind on this one. Um, and try to go in with no uh, preconceptions because... I think they did the Beast Wars stuff really good. And I will tell you the one last thing. I keep forgetting about this, and I should have written it down on my notes, but this is one I keep going back to. What they did pay off here, uh, which which is a, a big shout-out to the writers and the production staff, is they gave you every sort of team-up in battle you would have wanted. Uh, Rhinox spends a lot of time hanging out with Wheeljack and Ratchet. Uh, there's an air razor laser beak battle that's in the trailer. Uh, there's a scene where uh, Cheetor and Tigatron fight Ravage and Soundwave. Um, there's a scene where, you know, Galvatron fights everyone. <laughs> you know, you have Optimus Primal versus Optimus Prime, you know, the first confusion kind of situation. There's a lot of sorts of, of fights that you really wanted to see uh, that do happen. Uh, you have Dinobot fighting Megatron, G1 Megatron. Uh, in a scene that is really, really good. Uh, so I would say, if only for that, if only for those visuals, it's worth the watch. It's worth your time. I say try to look past some of the flaws uh, because there is um, a very unique narrative to this that hasn't really necessarily been done before in Transformers. I feel like maybe the end point, and I can't get into it, it's been done. It's been done in certain ways, but it hasn't necessarily been done in this way. And I will say this, it, it is an exciting ride overall. And if this is your first introduction to the world of Transformers, uh, this will probably will make you a fan. And if that is the positive that comes out of this three-part trilogy, then this is good for the fandom. And this kind of exposure and this kind of uh, new life and new blood into uh, the hobby and the lore that we all enjoy comes from this, then it's all good. And with that, I am going to wrap up this episode of TFU News and Views. Once again, I am your host, Anthony Percali, owner-operator, madman on TFU.info, the website, the Toy Archive, this podcast, Transformers University podcast, and oh so much more. Until next time, see ya. Want to learn a bit about the Transformers? Think you know everything about Cybertron, but are looking to learn a little bit more? Enroll today at Transformers University Podcast. Each episode will tackle a piece of Transformers history, starting in 1984 and marching our way up to today. Hosted by me, Anthony Brucali, three-time Emmy Award winner and consulting producer on Netflix's The Toys That Made Us, and lifelong Transformers fan, we'll go on a journey through cartoons and comics, toys and movies, 
and all the weird esoterica from around the world, chronicling the adventures of everyone's favorite robots in disguise. Listen to Transformers University on iTunes, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Transform and roll out!